Before Chris comes, um, actually, first of all, thank you guys uh, on that stage. Thank you so much for what you do. I, I want to just say something. Um, I don't say this a lot. I don't comment about our music a lot. But I want to say something. I, I just been on my heart um, a lot lately. I love today's modern music. I know some of us have a different opinions on that and think it's too loud or miss the hymns. But you know one of the things that today's modern music has that the hymns did not have as a whole? Today's modern music is sung to God as opposed to to one another in a, in a teaching way. Love the hymns. Love them. Uh, but man, I just love singing that song. We are singing that to a God who has brought us life. And we're singing, God, you, our praises are on our lips of you. So, man, I love that. My heart was stirred. The song is going to actually tie into the message really well, the, the part about being a bride. And Chris is going to come on stage in a minute. It really challenges with that. So I love how that all kind of works together. So I know they're off the stage now, but I appreciate what they do. I'm on stage here before Chris because I want to do something that we don't do. Uh, we do it once in a while as it comes around, and that is welcoming partners to Bethany. Um, you know, if you have grown up in the church or been around the church at any uh, time or any, um, any kind of church, you generally will hear uh, people talk about church membership. Now, Bethany, we, we've chosen not to use the word member uh, because member, when, if you say member, if you just look at the person beside you and say, what does member mean to you? What comes to your mind here, the word member? And what comes to your mind? I don't know, just kind of kicking around. Maybe what, you know what comes to my mind? Uh, ben Creek Country Club. <laughs> you know what else comes to my mind? Uh, Sam's Club or uh, any other place where I've got I've to have a right and a privilege to get in. It's kind of us four no more. And once I'm in, man, I get, I receive. I have, I have a privilege now for being in the club. And so, again, I, I don't think churches in the past meant that by the word member. So we stepped out and said, is there a better word for us? And we said, let's go with the word partner. Now, here's why we use the word partner. I want to read a verse to you. It's from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says this, But you, talking to Christian people, talking to the family of God, but you are not like that. You are chosen people. And here's the phrase. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. In the Old Testament, in the, in the Old Testament of worship, a priest was someone who, dem, who, who was a go-between. It basically, as, a, as people came into worship, the priest was there as a go-between to bring them to their creator. And Peter comes along and says, because of Jesus, we are all priests, every one of us. So we as a church say membership isn't about coming in and getting and receiving. It's more about partnership saying if you're a believer in Jesus and you call this church home, we're here to partner together to take Jesus to the world. Uh, and, and, man, how important that is because you will reach people that I won't reach. You have people in your circles that listen to you that won't listen to me. Um, you have people that love you and you love that, that I don't have the relationship with. So we all partner together. We all have different gifts. We all have different responsibilities. We all have a different voice and a calling, and we partner together. So that's kind of, we say at Bethany, um, you know, people, I'll get with other pastors, how many members do you have? I say, I don't really care. I'm worried about how many people we have here that are linking arms on mission together. That's the number we want to pay attention to. That's, that's the number that means a lot to us. So um, through, as we kind of grow as a church and people grow, people say, hey, I want to be a part of this. So we say, okay, what does that mean? And so we formalize that. Uh, people take four classes, uh, and in those four classes, they explore about the church, our values, our mission, what we're about, where we're headed, what we're doing, um, our leadership structure, why we're in. So people kind of understand. We explore spiritual gifts, 
And, and so people can understand this is how I'm gifted so that when I commit to this church, I know, man, I've got these gifts and the expectations. I'm going to use these gifts. Um, so, again, it's, it's, it's actually we're raising the bar up. And, man, we want to thank those that have, are here this morning that said, hey, I'm a part of this. I want to be a part of this. So we want to publicly honor them. And so you can get to know them, for those of you that are partners. Um, so let me go through their names, and then I'll mention the commitment uh, that they made. Uh, again, they aren't all in this service. Some were in first service, but I just want you to all see them. Uh, first is Scott and Ann Ash. Uh, some of you have interacted with them and know them. If not, there they are. If you see them in the coming week, shake their hand, say hello, get to know them. Um, next one is uh, Kathy Bartlett. Uh, some of you have known Kathy. She's been here with us now about a year and a half or so. Uh, Kathy and her boys are here, and some of her uh, family is here with her. Uh, Jerome and Christy Landis. Some of you know Jerome and Christy Landis. Jerome is the guy who he, we talked about with the men's ministry. There he is. If you wondered who Jerome is, that's Jerome. And Christy, his wife, uh, there serves in our women's ministry. Um, next, we have Matt and Amber Pavalko. Some of you know Amber well because we've been praying for her over the last uh, year or plus with her, um, with the disease that she has in her spinal cord and um, some of the other uh, things that we've been walking with her with. And there's her hum- husband. Some of you not know him as well. There he is, Matt. Um, next and final, we have Derek and Jessica Weaver. Some of you know them. Uh, if you're in children's ministry, you know them. They're a lot of times at the other end of the building with their children. Uh, but again, that's Derek and uh, Jess Weaver. So um, here's the commitment. I'm going to ask if those that are here to stand in just a minute. But here's the commitment that they're saying. This is what I'm. This is what they're committing to. I want to read it. So this is kind of you kind of hear what they heard. It says this: Desiring to partner with Bethany Grace Fellowship, I, aver- I affirm my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and I desire to live a life that is obedient to Him. I commit myself to the purposes of Bethany. I agree to support the ministry of Bethany with my time, spiritual gifts, and financial resources, and submit to the discipline of the church. I understand that if my commitment to this church changes or my doctrinal views change in such a way that I am no longer in agreement with Bethany's doctrinal statement, it is my responsibility to inform uh, the Board of Elders, which is our leadership team. So again, that's the commitment that they made. You saw them. Now, if any of those, those that are here, there, any in this service, I know I see one. Kathy's down here. Anyone else? Kathy, could you stand? Anyone else want to stand with Kathy that's here? I think everyone else was in first service. Okay. Kathy, welcome. Feel alone here, right? <laughs> Thank you. You can be seated. Uh, that's Kathy. So if you're sitting around here, give her a high five afterwards. Say, way to go. Um, or give her one now. Look at that. She's got it now. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but anyway, welcome, Kathy. Here's what I want to do. I ask, uh, we ask as a church, all of those, um, what happens is after they complete the classes, they fill out their testimonies. Uh, and their story of how they came to know Jesus. Um, and then they send that with a prayer request into our elders. And our elders love this. This is why I love our elders get involved and engaged. Our elders read all of those, and then they kind of just get to know, number one. Then they say, you know, sometimes there's some follow-up stuff for Chris and I to engage and just to make sure, number one, they truly know Jesus. Uh, number two, sometimes there's some baptism questions we follow up with or some other things that we just step in with. So our elders really get engaged with this. And, and so anyway... These are the prayer requests. I'm going to pray for them that they submitted to us. I just want to take time here in the service um, to pause and pray uh, for, these, um, for those that are joining. So will you join with me in prayer? God, um, thank you for this church. Um, God, I, I think sometimes we miss what a gift this is, this place called Bethany. It's a home to many, a family. Uh, it, it brings life. Um, God, just this past week, uh, talking to a couple people and, and hearing the stories of impact and life impact 
uh, not just from Chris and I, not just from our elders, um, but God, the body here that calls this church home. God, I love having a church that says, man, it's not about a few people doing all the work, but it's about us realizing we have gifts and responsibilities, and we're going to link arms and be a family and do this together. And God, the life that that brings. Um, Talked with a young girl this week who's really new in her faith and growing greatly the result of, of a life group here in this church that's been reaching out. God, how cool is that? I love it. Um, so God, thank you for this church. What a gift it is. And help me, help Chris, help our elders to continue to lead well. Um, God, it's not something we take lightly. Uh, we don't just want a cool church. We want a church that really helps people engage with who you are. Um, and sometimes that doesn't look so cool. Uh, so help us to do it and do it well. Um, and God, thank you for all of those that link arms with that, our worship teams, our sound and video guys, our front door, our life group leaders, our elders, our, our librarians, our, those who volunteer in children's ministry and volunteer in our office and the support staff and um, those that volunteer in our student ministry. And God, the list is just endless, men's and women's ministries and um, the, the missions committee and all the different leadership teams all throughout the church, uh, those that work with the money and the building and the... God, boy, it takes so many. I'm so thankful. And then all the informal ministry that unfolds and takes place throughout the week. God, thank you for this place uh, that we can call home. God, I just pray right now for Scott and Ann Ash. Uh, God, how cool it is to get to know them and then see them step in with us. And God, the gifts that they have, uh, thank you for them. Help Ann as her request is that she would learn to just trust you more no matter what life throws at them. Uh, God, uh, what a cool request, a uh, hard thing to do, but God, we pray that uh, for her. I pray for Scott as his prayer is just that he would continue to grow in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ and his desire to show Jesus um, to the world around him and the way that he lives and the things that he says. Uh, God, thank you for their heart in that, and uh, would you honor their marriage and strengthen them. Uh, God, I pray for Kathy. Um, what a joy it's been to get to know Kathy, and God, there's, there's grief uh, not far in the rearview mirror of her life. She's lost her husband and her life partner. Um, God, the pain that that is. Uh, now as she raises children, uh, boys, uh, young boys, teenage boys, alone. God, I, I pray for her. I lift her up to you. I give her the strength and the courage because uh, it will take that. Give her uh, encouragement and nourish her soul. Um, and God, and thank you for her family that comes around her, and God, others in the church. God, I continue to pray for her. Help her to find her ministry here at the church that she's um, exploring and, and trying to figure out. God, I pray for Jerome and Christy. Uh, God, I thank you for Jerome and his stepping into our men's ministry. Uh, God, his desire is to know you, um, have a desire to know you more. And God, it's a, I love that prayer. Would you honor it? He wants a desire, not just to do it out of, uh, I got to get it done, but Give him that desire and fan that in him. And he wants to share you with others and help him to do that well. Pray for Christy. Uh, her prayer request is a strength for a mom in uh, the home. God, Jerome and Christy have children from uh, many places in life. And um, they have their biological children. They have adopted children and foster uh, children. God, I thank you for their heart in that. And, uh, God, it, just give them the strength and the courage and the wisdom to step into those places and walk with those children and, and prioritize their marriage in the midst of all that. Help them to do that well. And, God, as Christy uh, prays to know you uh, on a more personal level uh, and continue to grow in that, God, what a cool request, and would you honor that. God, next I pray for Matt and Amber. Um, God, Amber, we've been praying with and walking with for some time now. And, man, um, 
God, it's sobering to think about a young mom um, realizing the reality of I have a disease in my body that could mean the end of my life. And she has a small daughter that she, um, again, moms want to be playing and enjoying that daughter in a way that Amber is unable to right now. So would you meet her in those places of, of grief and sorrow? Um, God, would you give them the strength to push forward? Pray for Matt as a husband in that. And God, their prayer request is for healing. We continue to cry out to you for that. Um, God, thank you for this church that's walked around and served that family so well. May we continue to do that well. Um, God, and I pray for the appointments coming up. Uh, Amber's um, surgery in her spine uh, coming up in November. Uh, the procedure coming up here in just actually this week here in October. Um, God, would you give those doctors wisdom? And God, we pray that it just be another step towards her healing. We pray for total and complete uh, healing. God, finally, I pray for Derek and Jess. I uh, pray for their marriage. Um, Jess, just again, what a cool request. And we're in the middle of this series on marriage. God, would they do marriage well uh, together and help them to do that well? Uh, be, would they be an example of Jesus' love to their kids? And uh, Derek wants um, to teach his kids and show his kids, uh, his children, the love of God right there in the home. Help him to do that. Honor him in that. Help him to prioritize his time appropriately. Um, and God, I, uh, their desire to have a Christ-centered home. Uh, would you be with them in that and, and guide and direct them? God, thank you for those and, and all those who call Bethany home and are committed to this church, uh, those that are serving right now. God, I think for those that can't even make it into this room because they're down working with children uh, or youth. And um, God, pray for them right now. Thank you for them uh, down in Sunday school and teaching and, and all that takes place. God, we love this church. We love this place and love what you're doing here. Thank you for that. It's a gift. Um, God, now I pray for Chris as he comes on stage. Uh, back from Israel, uh, still, I think, uh, kind of getting his body clock back in line as he's getting that and jumping back into it here. God, thank you for he and Aaron. Pray for their marriage. And God, I pray right now as he opens up your word to talk about uh, marriages. Marriages are struggling all around us. And uh, God, we want to be a place that gives hope and gives life and helps in those difficult places. So help and guide Chris in that journey uh, as we've just talked about, a, again, a a fun but a difficult subject. We love you very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was trying to do better originally. It was just she's kind of she's goofy in a, in a fun way. Just like a, a little, almost like a kid. Um, so we can go shopping and have fun. We can just kind of sit around the house and have fun. I mean, just there, we don't have to do anything extravagant. It's just enjoying each other's company. I can't imagine spending time with anyone else besides him. It's just fun. And that's the other thing, you know, you just have to have fun. We like to try a lot of different restaurants. We're big food people. Yeah, what's your favorite mm-hmm. kind of food? Ethiopian. Even if we went to McDonald's for dinner and came home and watched TV, it was just our time together. Uh, we like to watch TV stuff, like on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Watch 24, watch Jack Bauer, blow up the world. He does have to figure out how to kind of sometimes just woo me, and sometimes I have to do the same thing for him because it's 32 years, you can get into a lot of ruts. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Chris, one of the pastors here at Bethany. I want to welcome you all this morning. I just love that guy's accent. Even if we went to McDonald's, it would be good. It was great. All right, you guys can laugh. It's all right to laugh in here. All right. Maybe I wasn't funny. Um, But it is good. I'm excited to be here. I'm fired up because I feel like the Lord has laid something on my heart and has been working uh, on me this week in this. And I pray that, uh, that I can 
have the ability to communicate it with you and that the Lord would speak to us this morning uh, and strengthen us and encourage us in him. Um, so we are in this, this topic of dating or uh, marriage, and, and I'll talk a little bit to the singles in the room as well. But uh, when we're talking about marriage, I would just warn you, and I don't see a whole lot of kids here, but uh, if you haven't talked to your children already about where babies come from, uh, we're going to talk about what married people do at the end of the message. So it might be good for you to uh, take them down to kids' ministry now. Uh, unless you want to have some uh, interesting conversations on the way home, uh, that's up to you. That's your prerogative. But don't say I didn't warn you because I did. Uh, but single folks in the room, I would, I would encourage you not to check out. Uh, the temptation might be, uh, I'm not there yet, I'm not married, uh, maybe, maybe you're divorced and single, maybe uh, a spouse has passed away. I, I don't know what the situation is for you, but I think God has something for all of us this morning, and I hope to speak to some of those implications throughout the message. So I just encourage you not to check out. One other thing I'll throw out there is if you are in the room this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, you're not, you've said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not really on board yet, I don't, I don't know if I want I want to follow Christ, uh, but I'm here exploring. Uh, I would give, give you a big thank you for being here. It takes a lot of courage to come into a church uh, when you're just exploring who Jesus is. So thanks for being here, and I hope you feel welcome. Uh, I will say that a lot of my comments, though, are going to be directed at those who uh, have already said, I am a follower of Christ, uh, just so you know that. I also want to acknowledge this morning, as well as we talk about the issue of uh, sex and sexuality, I want to I want to acknowledge that there's a lot of hurt around this area, and there's a lot of deep pain and scars uh, within marriages and even outside of that, and even maybe those who have have ventured into this area uh, outside of marriage and outside of the marriage bed, and there's a lot of pain there, and perhaps there's abuse and neglect and all kinds of things that uh, could cause you pain. And my prayer this morning is that God would meet you where you are and that he would uh, just heal any of those wounds that you might have, because I know that my words will fall far short of being able to do that. Uh, but I pray that his Holy Spirit uh, would do that and would cover over those wounds, because I know that there is a lot uh, there. So as I said, as I was preparing this week, uh, I, I just became really overwhelmed uh, and, and, and burdened for marriage, both inside this room and outside the room. I just was really overwhelmed and burdened because I, I, I'm afraid that um, as we've gone through life and, and the, the chaos around us, I, I'm afraid that we've missed the importance of marriage, that we've just kind of walked past it because there's so many other things that creep into our lives that fill our mind and our time, whether it's our career, whether it's our kids, whether it's uh, what, whatever it might be. Uh, that has filled your time, I'm afraid that we've walked past this thing called marriage and we've, it's taken us into a place uh, where almost like marriage has become the background music, if you will, uh, in our lives. But the, the hobbies and the other things that we do have kind of come to the forefront. And I'm afraid that the cost as a culture is more than we can bear because there's an entire younger generation. There's an entire younger generation that is looking up at us and saying, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to be a Christ follower? And the marriage, whether we like it or not, our relationships as husband and wife is the first place or one of the places that young people will look. And when marriages are cold and fractured and broken and young people will look in on that and they'll say, if that's what it means to follow Christ, if that's what it means to be a believer in Jesus, if that's what a Christian looks like, I'm sorry. 
I'm just not interested. I, I, I don't want it. Because of the fractures in our relationships and Christians put so much emphasis on marriage as well we should. And so I want to, it's important before we jump into fun and you might say, well, Chris, that's, that's kind of heavy, you know, like I, did I misread what it says on the board there? It's have fun. I mean, that's not talking about fun and I acknowledge that. We'll get to that. Uh, but before we get to that, I think it's important that we understand why this is such a heavy topic. And I don't want you to neglect it or sleep through it or brush it off because I think it's so important. And the reason it's so important is because God, whether we like it or not, God has chosen. God has chosen marriage, husband and wife, to be the metaphor that represents him, Jesus, the king, the Christ, and his bride, the church. Marriage is the metaphor that God has chosen. We can't get out of that. We can't say, ah, God, you know, we're not really good at this thing called marriage, so uh, can you get a different metaphor maybe? Could you pick something else? It's the metaphor he's given us, and it's the metaphor that the world looks at and says, okay, this is what it means to be part of the church. I want to show you this in the scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, famous, famous marriage verse. Can't go through a marriage series without talking about it. But I, I, I want to point out something that maybe uh, isn't always pointed out. There's a lot of stuff we could get into here, and we didn't plan the series around this passage, so I can't do it. But I'll read it for you. Ephesians chapter 5, Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says this, For a husband is the, head of his wife, is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. So there again, it's the comparison. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. If that causes you to stumble, just put it aside for a second. If you're in a relationship where you're like, I don't want to submit, we're not, we're not getting into submission. So just set that aside for a minute. Later date, we could talk about it. But let's keep going. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Who is she? She is the church. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are the members of his body. As the scriptures say, and here's what I want you to catch. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united and become one. The two are united and become one. This is a great mystery. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So that illustration of Christ, the king and his bride, the church coming together and being one is the illustration that's played out in our marriage relationships. That's why it's so important. That's why it's such a heavy topic. Because Jesus calls us as Christians to love our enemies, right? Love our enemies. Forgive those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. He calls us, don't walk with a person one mile. If they ask you to walk one, go two. If they need your coat, give up your coat. If they punch you in the cheek, turn the other cheek and forgive them. He calls us to be people that are sacrificial. He calls us to be loving and forgiving. This is what he's calling his bride to. And I would challenge you, church, if we can't do this with the person that we stood before God and made a covenant with and said, God, to have and to hold from this day forward till death do us part, I'm going to love that person. 
If we can't do it with the person that we lay in, in bed with, we can't forgive them, we can't be sacrificial with them, if we can't do it with them, how are we ever going to do it with the world? How are we ever going to do it with the person who gossips about us or the person who cheats us or the person who steals us or, God forbid, somebody would get drunk and kill one of our children while they were, while they were a drunk driver? How would we ever forgive them? If we can't do it in the relationship that's the most important, the relationship that we've committed the most time to, and it's the image, it's that image of this metaphor that God has given us. This is why it's so important. And listen, I'm not mad at you. I'm really not. I love you. I wish I could come and just give you all a hug because I can see the seriousness on your face because this is such a heavy topic. And I love you and I'm not mad at you, but who I'm mad at is the enemy of our soul. I'm mad at Satan because as I thought about marriages this week, I was tremendously burdened because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what he's doing is he's robbing us of our joy. The joy that we should have in our marriages, Satan is coming and he's taking it away. And we're going to get to it later in the end. We're going to look at a passage where it directly says that Satan has come to tempt us in this area. So I'm not mad at you. Please hear that. And if you've gone through, if you're sitting here right now in the midst of pain in your marriage, I just want to help. I want to pray for you. I want to see you be successful. I want to see you thrive. Because when you thrive, we thrive together. So let me just take a second to pray because this is so important. Our neighbors, our coworkers, our children, they're watching us. And they're watching us to see what does it look like to be in a loving, sacrificial relationship. So let me pray. Father God, I, I just pray now I can sense the heaviness in the room. I can sense, Lord, just the weight behind this topic. God, and I feel so inadequate to communicate this. So God, I just pray that you would take control and Lord, that you would speak to hearts. Lord, that I would say nothing that would offend unless it needs to prick, unless it's used to spur, unless it's used to bring about change that's for your glory and for your righteousness. Father, make your bride spotless. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want to I think the reason for the series that Adam and I put it together, and whenever we come to, to marriage, I think it's important that we understand. Adam read this passage when he was talking about the partners that are coming in. And I think it's First Peter chapter 2 talks about the church being a holy nation, a called out group of people. And that's us, the church. If you're in here and you've put your faith in Jesus, that's us. We're a holy nation. And what we need to be doing is looking at the world and telling the world, we don't need to get mad at the world. We don't need to get angry at the world. I need to be careful I don't preach a different sermon here. But we need to show the world that there's an alternative to the way that they've been living. This idea of hooking up and shacking up and then breaking up and then repeating that process. We need to show the world, hey, world, there's an alternative to this. There's an alternative. And it's falling in love with Jesus and then sacrificially loving somebody else in a way that glorifies God and is to his honor and his glory. So that's why we do this series, and I think it's so important. So I want to just rehash the last two points that we've gone over through this series. Uh, The first one, Adam did this uh, a couple weeks ago, Seek Your Number One, 
with your number two. I've heard him say that for a long time, probably as long as I've, I've known him, I've heard him talk about this and how important it is. And I would speak to the singles in the room. If you're single in the room and you look at that, you're like, all right, I don't have a number two right now, but seek your number one and prepare your heart to be the person that you want your spouse to be. If you want to get married, if you want to pursue marriage, then you need to be doing the work in your heart to prepare yourself to be the spouse that you want. Because kind attracts kind. And if you're a person who is out running, running around and, and hooking up with different people and, and, and you're saying, you know what, I want to I be married, though, to somebody who's pure and holy and I can bring home to my parents and they'll be excited, then you need to be preparing yourself and be that kind of person because kind attracts kind. And the problem is I've heard this from people. They, 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 I've heard stories of this where, where young people have come and said, yeah, I think I found the one. And it's like, yeah, but is the one going to be interested in you? Because of, not, not because of who you are, but because of the lifestyle you've been living. So prepare yourself. And in marriage, in, in marriage, we need to stay focused. Keep our eyes all through the scripture, all through the scripture. There's just this call to keep your eyes fixed on God. And we do that with each other. And I would challenge, I challenge men in the room, challenge men in the room to set the, set the tone in your house. We went through that Ephesians 5 passage of the head. Set the tone in your house and say, honey, we're going to seek the Lord together. We're going to do this together. We're going to seek God, whether it's prayer, whether it's Bible reading, whatever it is. But we're going to do it together. Uh, next one. Adam and Tanya covered this one last week, Fight Fair. Uh, they did a great job with this. I don't want to go over it too much, but respect each other. You're going to disagree. You're going to have arguments. That's going to happen. It happens in every marriage. There's going to be things that you don't see eye to eye on because when you take two sinners and put them in the room together, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. But fight fair. Respect each other. Love each other. I thought they did a fantastic job with that. Now we'll come into this week, uh, number three, have fun together. Craig Rochelle says it this way. He says, fun is not a luxury in marriage. It's not a luxury in your marriage. That means it's something that you have to do. And he goes on to say, because if, you, if you're not having fun in marriage, it's likely that you're not going to have a marriage. So have fun in marriage. Enjoy it. Enjoy one another's. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 9.9, which was written by Solomon, which we'll get into more of Solomon in a little bit. But he says this. He says, live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. Now, don't get caught up in the second half of that passage, but live happily with the woman you love. Live happily. Live happily with the woman you love. Guys, I'm not just talking about sex either. We'll get to that part. But think about this. When you started dating, when you started dating, I'm guessing that you had fun together, right? When you started dating, there was things that you did with your spouse that you enjoyed. You had fun. I'm guessing that when you were first dating, that, guys, she didn't sit there on the couch and watch you play video games and say, wow, look how good he is at Mario. I can't wait to take him home because he's just, he's amazing. She didn't fall in love with you because you can watch eight hours of football on Sunday. That's not... That's not what brought you together, right? It's not, it's not what drew you together. It's not what brought you to the same place. And, and ladies, I mean, I, I think of myself when I was, Erin and I were getting together. She would, you know, come to my softball game. She didn't particularly like softball. 
She would come to softball games, though, because she wanted to be with me. She wanted to watch, watch me, and I don't know that I was that good either, but she enjoyed watching. But do things together. I mean, I, I can remember, and, and maybe you guys can remember this, I can remember wanting and, and looking forward to going on walks with my wife just so I could hold her hand, just so I could be there with her so I could be beside her and talk to her and hear her heart and laugh with her. And when, when we were dating, uh, her parents had a, a hammock in their yard. And I know where y'all are going to go with, it, where, with this, so don't go there. But we would lay in that hammock for hours. And partly because her house was a little crazy. She had four siblings, and so it was hard to find space for us to be by ourselves. Uh, but we loved just hanging out in this hammock and, the, and looking at the stars and talking. And I remember times when it would be like getting towards fall and winter, and it was really cold. And we would still lay out there till like 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, because, just because we wanted to be together. And I remember my teeth chattering and freezing. And now I look back and I think, I should have just went inside. Like, why stay in this hammock? But we did it because I, I didn't want to leave. I was just connected to her. And I, I, I wanted to... Just spend time with her. And I don't, I think, I think we can miss this because life starts to happen. You know, responsibility, work, kids, job, all all those things like financial responsibilities, home ownership, all those things uh, that start to, to get in the way. And what happens for us is we become, we went from those two people who love to just spend time together to now two people who are just on a common mission together. You're just on a common goal to make sure that the house stays at an even keel and the kids get to where they need to be and that, that the bills get paid and that project outside gets done and the addition happens or whatever it is. We, we start to get on these, these common goals, but we miss one another in it. And all of a sudden, our relationship can go from being covenantal, where we love one another, to contractual, where if you don't hold up your end of the bargain, it's slipping, and i got to hold up my end of the bargain. And so we just come together just on these contractual terms, but not covenantal terms, where we're truly for one another and love one another. And I think marriage is just too important for us to miss this. Marriage is so important, as I said from Ephesians 5. It's that image of Christ and his church, and it's too important. And I want you to understand this because this is really important. God wants an intimate relationship with us. That makes some of us feel uncomfortable. I've heard guys say before, like, "Uh, I don't really like talking about God and intimacy because it's just awkward and it feels weird. And and I understand that. But intimacy is, part of it's the trouble with our our Western minds and our language. We've kind of polluted the word intimacy to just mean sexual. And it's, it's not that. It's so much more than that. But God wants intimacy with each and every one of us. And I want to show you this in John chapter 17. This is Jesus speaking. And he's speaking uh, the night before he's about to be taken uh, to the cross. And this is what he says. He's praying to God the Father. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their marriage. I pray that they will all be one. Listen to this. I pray that they would all be one. That's us, church. Those of you who are Christians, that's us. I'm praying that they would all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us. What is he talking about here? God the Father and Jesus have this deep, intimate connection. Don't pollute it. It's not sexual, but he wants us as the body of Christ to have this deep, 
intimate connection, to be connected to one another, just as he and God the Father are. And why does he want that? Why is Jesus saying, I want this, God? Why is Jesus, the night before he's about to go to the cross, praying about the body of Christ? Well, what's he saying? He's saying, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. The reason he wants us to be so united and connected together as a church is so that when the world looks in and says, wow, how are those people so unified? What is it? So that the world might know that we follow the creator God. And he goes on. He doesn't stop there. He says, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one. Again, they may be one as we are one. I can't speak to the depth of that passage enough. Jesus is asking that we would be one together as much as he and the Father are together. Let me illustrate this for you. So this is, I'm going to embarrass Ashton here. Just shake my hands. Okay, yeah. So Ashton and I, all right? In Christ, one in Christ. That's, don't pollute that, all right? Her husband's right here. That's Neil. Neil and I, one in Christ. Jess and I, one in Christ. Lily and I, one in Christ, right? So we are brought together as one. That's what Jesus wants to do with his bride. He wants to unify us as one. The intimacy there, you can't miss this. And we so often lose sight of the mission and we start fighting about little things that shouldn't even matter to us. And we fight with the denomination down the street or that church up there and the way they do things. And, and Jesus must weep. Say, this is my bride. Why are they fighting? Why are they doing this? And then I think about our marriages. He must look and say, but I gave them everything they need to be one. And yet we're so caught up, and we get so caught up in everything else, in the work, in the hobbies, and everything else. And i got to keep going because I'm preaching a different message here, but it happens. And you might say, well, Chris, this takes work. It takes so much work to have that much intimacy. Yes. Yes, it does. If you hear nothing else from this message, your marriage, if you want it to be successful, is going to take more work than you ever thought that it would. Because you're going to have to look inward. You're going to have to say, man, there's areas of my heart that are dark, and I need help. And you're going to need to look at your spouse and say, there's areas of her heart or his heart that are dark, and he needs my help. But we can work through this together, and we can love one another and be for one another And guys, we live in a culture, you have to admit this, we live in a culture that is all about instant gratification. I want it right now. I want what I want right now. And we have drive-throughs, right? We have microwaves, drive-throughs, on-demand television, and credit cards. And I'm not knocking on any of those things, all right? I have a couple credit cards in my pocket, and yesterday I went to a drive-thru to get coffee for my wife. So those things, I'm not knocking on them, but you have to recognize that they've influenced us. As a culture, it's influenced us. We can't short-circuit this thing called intimacy or relationship because relationships, God designed them to take time. Intimacy takes time. It takes effort. It takes work. You can't just come together like the movie show and all of a sudden fall in love with one another and make it to the end. There has to be some work that you put into it. There has to be investment. 
And so you might be asking, well, how do I do that? Well, that's what our three points are. That's what we're going to talk about having fun together. We're going to talk about what it looks like to, to connect with one another on several different levels. And I think this will help. So I'll give you three points. Just three, I hope. Three points that will help you out. So the first one is face-to-face time. Not FaceTime, you millennials, but face-to-face time. You can use FaceTime. You could use FaceTime, but I wouldn't recommend it um, for what we're talking about. But connecting with your spouse. What this is about, what I'm talking about here is taking the time to really connect. This isn't like let's talk about scheduling Let's talk about who's picking the kids up. Let's talk about the checkbook. Let's talk about uh, any other number of issues. But this is talking about one another coming together and hearing each other's heart. Hey, how did you feel about that? When I said that the other day, how did you feel? Or uh, what are you thinking about what your parents are going through? And it's not, you know, the parents could become one of those issues that you just talk about. But actually connecting and saying, how are you feeling about that? What are you thinking? What are you processing? Because I just want to hear from your heart. What's the Lord been teaching you? There's all kinds of things you can ask one another. You can sit and talk with each other, but you have to think through it and you have to ask some some deep questions. Now, what I would say about this is you have to cut out the distractions. You have to cut out the distractions. Some of you religiously go on date nights. I don't mean you do it every night, but you do it on a monthly basis or a weekly basis. You make time to go on a date. And for some of you, that's really important, so you can do exactly this. You can sit down without distractions over a good meal or a cup of coffee or whatever it is, and you can talk with one another. That's great. For Aaron and I, that's not really practical for us, and it hasn't ever been our theme. We'll definitely do dates, and and that's great. But for us, we've just made time. We put the kids to bed, and, and we sit down, and we intentionally come together and we just talk about our days, not just the mundane, yeah, this is this what I did, da, 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 da. but how are you feeling about that? What, God's, what, God's, what is God doing in your heart in that? The, the, all kinds of stuff, and it goes way deeper than just the, the mundane stuff that we have to talk about. You have to do that, but it has to go deeper than that. I would even tell you that there are times for us where our kids will be playing in the yard and we'll be sitting on the porch swing and and we'll be just talking and connecting and the kids will run up to us and try to distract us and, Dad, will you come play football? Or, Mom, will you push me on the swing? And, And oftentimes I will look at them and I'll just say, no, I won't. What? I'll say, no. And I will tell them, I'll say, yeah, we can play football later, but I, I love your mother more than I love you. And you are a result of our love, so you should want us to love one another. You catch that? Sometimes our kids, and i got to tell you this, uh, our kids become a huge distraction. And you're looking at me and say, Pastor, did you just say that? You just say your kid, our kids become a huge distraction? Kids should be number three in your life. I can't say it strongly enough. Kids should be number three in your life. Number one is God. Number two is your spouse. And number three is your kids. And moms, some of you moms need to hear that more than the dads. And listen to me. You're looking at me and I, and I can see it. Your wheels are spinning and some of you are thinking, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Listen, just go with me for a second here. Go with me in your mind because I think we miss this. I honestly do. I think we're not intentional. We don't try it. It's not something we want to happen, but we just miss it. 
Think about this. If you, you want, we want for our kids everything in the world. We want our kids to have a good education, a, a life that's free from pain. We want them to marry Prince Charming. Uh, we want them to be successful and, and everything they want. We want to give it to them. That's a good desire to have in your heart. We want to give our kids that. But let me ask you a question. They are looking at you and they are understanding what love is from you. And how you and your spouse interact, how you and their father or mother interact. And they're looking at that saying, this is the foundation of what love is. This is the foundation. So if that foundation is cracked and broken and frosty and cold and there's yelling in the house, what a, all the work you're doing to help them get going and, and do all the things that's successful, if your marriage falls apart, it will devastate them. They will, they will look at you and they will say, this is what it means to, to love? This is what love is? This is what it means to follow Jesus? And so all of that work you were doing, you undermined it because you missed your spouse, the person you fell in love with, the person that you brought that child into the world with. So we can't miss that. And I would ask you the question too, if you come, is it, is it worth it? Is it worth it? I mean, your, your golf score might be in the high 70s, low 80s. But if your marriage fails, was it worth it? You might have a corner office and a big house. But if your marriage fails, was it worth it? See, there's some things that I think we, we miss each other because we get so tied up in other things. And I would just call you to say, pull back together. Invest time in each other. All right, next one. Side-by-side time. This is time where you get to do things that you enjoy together. And when you were dating, I'm sure you found things to do, whether it's hiking or going on a motorcycle ride or eating ice cream or whatever it might be. Find time to do things together. Maybe you don't necessarily enjoy them, but you can find things that you can definitely Enjoy being together with. I, I say that because uh, I don't necessarily like freezing corn or canning tomatoes or things like that. Uh, but I have done those things with my wife because I enjoy being with her. It's things we can do together. And we can laugh and we can throw corn at each other or whatever it might be. But we can do it together and we can enjoy it. So I think this is important. Um, one of the things I would tell you is my wife has kind of a minor addiction to uh, Iced coffee, Dunkin' Donuts, specifically coconut iced coffee with cream and sugar. I've ordered it so many times now, I just have it memorized. But I will tell you that I have learned to love a mocha latte from Dunkin' Donuts because it's where my wife wants to drink coffee. It's where I'll drink coffee because I want to be with her. It's important that we do those things together and we find things that they like and we can be a part of it and do it with them. All right, last one is the one that you've been waiting for. Uh, Belly button to belly button time. This is the time where I think it's a bit hokey, I'll be honest. I get a couple chuckles out of that. But it is important that this is happening and it's really important. The scripture talks about it a lot. And I will tell you this, the other two set up this one. The other two that we just talked about, face-to-face time and side-to-side time, set up this. If you don't have the other two, then this one's really going to suffer, and it's not going to serve the purpose that God intended it. Uh, So I want to play for you a video that will help us understand uh, the idea of sex and some of God's ideas in it. Sex. 
Throughout the Bible, it's proclaimed as a good thing, a profound expression of love that forges a unique and powerful bond between a man and a woman. But along the way, something went seriously wrong. When humanity left their perfect and life-giving relationship with God, sin entered the scene and infected everything. Sin caused people to become disconnected from God, from each other, and from themselves. Sex, the ultimate connection between men and women, couldn't hide for long. Sin grabbed hold of sex and transformed it into something completely unrecognizable. This new form of sex had nothing to do with respect or commitment, and everything to do with lust and control. It was no longer about two people becoming one. Sex became about the desires of the individual, a way for people to get what they want from one another. To put it plainly, sex became a transaction, and so sex strayed further and further away from God's original plan. Fast forward to today, and sex is everywhere. People are obsessed with it. Sex, which used to be a good thing, became an ultimate thing, something that validates one's very existence and a reason for living. And with its new and elevated status came many promises, promises it couldn't deliver, leaving an entire society feeling empty and disillusioned. But like any addiction, the answer is always more, more relationships, more romance, and of course, more sex. And it's in this endless search that we find ourselves. Sex is clearly broken, but it isn't the real problem. It's simply the crack on the surface. The real problem of sin goes much deeper, and its consequences are far more devastating. Here's the good news, though: there's still hope. God can redeem you and your sexuality. Sex. Can be a good thing again. Amen. Sex can be a good thing. All right. So what I want to do is open the scriptures with you. I know we haven't. Uh, I haven't had you open them yet to to anything. But I want you to take out your Bibles. Uh, if you uh, are using the pew Bibles, we'll be on page five sixty three. We're going to be in the Song of Songs, uh, written again by King Solomon uh, many many years ago. It was told or was told as one of the most the, the wisest people to ever walk the face of the earth. And uh, this book of Song of Songs, he's he and uh, a Shulamite woman. I have struggled to say where she's from, but he and this woman, it's his wife, and they're, it's talking about their relationship. And so I just want to prepare you that uh, Song of Songs, chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 9, is probably one of the most racy sections of Scripture, if you will. So just buckle up, because here we go. All right, ready? Uh, chapter 7, verse 1. How beautiful, and he's describing her, how beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden. Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a skilled craftsman. Your navel is perfectly formed like a goblet filled with mixed wine. Between your thighs lies a mound of wheat bordered with lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle. Your neck is a beautiful, as beautiful as an ivory tower. Your eyes are like the sparkling pools in Heshbon, that means blue, by the gate of Beth Rabim. Your nose is as fine as the Tower of Lebanon overlooking Damascus. And I've got to stop right there. Guys, might not be a good idea to tell your uh, wife or your, yeah, tell your spouse that she has a nose that looks like a tower from Lebanon. I'm sure that this tower was beautiful. Um, I've never seen it, never seen a picture of it. But I can't quite picture telling my wife that she has a nose like the Tower of Lebanon. But I'm sure it fit 
in his, in his context. So verse 5, your head is, majest- is as majestic as Mount Carmel. And I'll tell you, I just stood on Mount Carmel uh, several weeks ago, and it is majestic. It sits up over the Mediterranean Sea, and it is beautiful. And the sheen of your hair radiates royalty. The king is held captive by its tresses. Oh, how beautiful you are, how pleasing my love, how full of delights. You are slender like a palm tree, and your breasts are like its clusters of fruit. I said I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like grape clusters and the fragrance of your breath, breath like apples. May your kisses be as exciting as the best wine. Woo-hoo! So I told Adam after the first service, we're going to need to schedule the uh, baby dedication for 10 months from now after reading that passage. But what I want to get at here is the vulnerability and the intimacy that is being experienced between the two of them. And the fact that he takes his time and he studies her and he, he, he just pours out his heart about how beautiful she is. And men in the room, let me tell you, your wife, your spouse is combated every single day with images from our world that say she's not good enough. She doesn't look good enough. She's not large enough in the right areas and thin enough in other areas. And the world constantly tells her she's not good enough. And what this husband does, what Solomon does, is he sits her down and he takes his time with her and he says, you are beautiful. And let me tell you how beautiful you are. Let me tell you what is in my heart. And men, I know it's not intentional and I know it's in there, but we just struggle so bad to say it. It's so hard for us to just say it. Let me tell you how beautiful you are. Let me tell you, those images on the screen, they don't mean anything. Because I have you, and this is how beautiful you are. So let me encourage you and show you. So, guys, sex is more than a physical act. I can't stress it enough. It's way more than a physical act, and it's so important. And it connects us in a way that there's this Hebrew word. I told the first service, there's a Hebrew word called, it's, it's dode. It shows up in Song of Solomon all the time. And it's translated lover, but lover doesn't really do do it justice. This word dode means a mingling of souls, two people coming together, the two becoming one. It's such a beautiful picture, and we miss it because we don't understand Hebrew poetry, but we're also too too busy running after other things. Just a couple of notes here before I got to close because I'm running up against my time here. But a couple of things about sex and marriage I think is important. Uh, Ladies, you need to know that for your husband, you are the only viable option. There is no other. No images on a screen. Nowhere outside of marriage can he go that's not sinful. And God's set the boundaries there. But you need to know that. And so as we come into this, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1 through 5. Now, regarding the question you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. It's good for a man not to touch a woman, is what the Greek says. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. There's a command. The husband should fulfill them. The wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over the body of his body to his wife. So it's mutual. There's a lot of pain and hurt probably in this area of authority, and there's a lot of questions, and I don't have time to get into it, but 
Uh, don't miss the point here. So do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So the only reason we should be apart in our relationship, and there may be physical things that happen, I get that, but we should be coming together. And if we're not, it's a flashing light on the dashboard that says there's a problem. And the only reason he gives for us to be apart is to commit ourselves to prayer. To say, God, we want to commit ourselves to you. And so maybe you're in a situation right now in your relationship where it's cold and this isn't even an option. I would tell you, commit yourself to prayer during that time. Say, God, I'm going to seek you out. I'm going to seek you first. But look at what happens. Who's trying to get into the middle of it? Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan, as I said in the beginning, Satan is robbing our joy. Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. When our bedrooms go cold in marriages and it becomes frosty, the one who rejoices over that is the enemy of our soul. It's Satan who's trying to pull us apart. And it's God who's trying to bring us together. So I would encourage you with this. Encourage you with this, men and women, fight for your marriage. Fight for your spouse. You stood and took a covenant that said you would from this day forward. Fight as hard as you can and seek the Lord. And if there are issues, if you have places where there's, there's places where there's hurt, please seek help. Talk to Adam, talk to myself, talk to a counselor, somebody that can help you. I am for you. I want you to know my heart. I am for you. And I want you to be successful. And I want you to enjoy marriage because when you do, uh, the name of Christ is exalted. So I want to close with this. I want to end with a video. And hopefully this video works. In the first service, uh, it did not. It came out in like Spanish and Italian. So hopefully this works. (laughs) But this video is from a movie called The Song. And it's inspired by the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs. It's a modern-day version of, of Solomon. And where this video will pick up is a man who has royally blown it with his wife, with this wife whom he, he loved and adored, and he messed it up. And there is grace and mercy. If you're in this room this morning and you're divorced or separated or hurting, hear me clearly. There is grace and mercy at the cross, and all things can be forgiven and healed. So that's what this, this ending clip is about. So go ahead, guys. We'll try it. If it goes to Italian... We'll cut it off, okay? Turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, turn, turn. And they're time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to reap. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to laugh, a time to eat. To everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, 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 and it's time for every purpose under heaven. A time to build up, a time to break down, a time to dance, a time to mourn, a time.
Oh, it's not too late. 